Welcome into episode two of the Shy Town Sports Wrap Up Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Heinrich. Thanks for tuning in. I know it's been a little bit of a layoff, but we are back and excited to get into what I got for you guys today. You can always follow me on Twitter and act, interact with me on there at Jack Heinrich22 and on all social media platforms. We're getting into some baseball talk. If you know me, that's my big thing, baseball. So there's going to be a lot of it on here, and that's what you want. You'll get it here for sure. Looking at the signings on both sides of town, some acquisitions for the Cubs and the White Sox, as well as some interdivision signings and how that affects them. Going forward, as always, stock up, stock down will be a little bit later on. And then, of course, it's Super Bowl week. we got to get into a little bit of some Super Bowl talk, even though our Bears are quite frankly, not close to being in the Super Bowl. But again, follow me on Twitter at JackHeinrich22 or JackHeinrich on all other social media platforms. You'll be able to find me there. But jumping right in, there's been some movement and finally some movement on the north side. The Cubs are finally making some moves, some major league moves. They've been signing some younger or some minor league guys to our guys to minor league deals like Shelby Miller, for example. They've been picking up some guys off the waiver wire, but nothing too big. But in this past week, they have made some moves. They've signed Trevor Williams, the former Pittsburgh Pirate pitcher, is coming to the north side on a one-year, $2.5 million deal. I mean, he's a big league pitcher. The Cubs are going to need some starters this year. Uh, Losing four starters, Quintana uh, and John Lester, uh, trading you Darvish, so... They've lost, and Tyler Chatwood's going to Toronto, so they've lost four guys that started games for them in these past couple of years, so they're going to need guys to come in and pitch, and Trevor Williams is a back-of-the-rotation kind of guy. Career 443 ERA, not going to blow you away. 311 ERA in 2018. That was his best season. He was dealing that year. Um, past couple of years, he's really been tough on the Cubs. Um, the Cubs, have, for some reason, have just struggled against the Pirates, especially in Pittsburgh. And he's contributed to that. So the Cubs got him now in the blue pinstripes. We'll see where he slots in there. Um, I'm going to be referring to this a lot during the segment, the Roto Champ. Uh, it's a fantasy website, does projections, and they were checking Charlie Williams to be the four starter for the Cubs this season. They have seven guys on there. Kyle Hendricks is still, he's the only familiar face sticking around. The Cubs got Zach Davies back in the U Darvish trade. He's slotted in at number two. Alec Mills is three. They have Trevor Williams, four and Adbert Alzali at five. They also have Shelby Miller and Tyson Miller as their sixth and seventh guys. So they're starting to build some depth in that back end of the rotation. I would like to see Trevor, or, well, Trevor Williams is going to be competing for that fourth spot, but I'd like to see Tyson Miller get a chance. And there's also a prospect named Corey Abbott, who I think could maybe get a chance to compete in spring training. I'd like to see the Cubs start to push these young guys to the major league level. They haven't really been able to develop uh, starting pitching, quite frankly, from their own farm system. That was the big knock on the Theo and Jed era. And now it's the Jed era. I think they should start trying to push some of those guys. We know that the Cubs have Braylon Marquez coming up, the young uh, fireball and lefty who made his debut against the White Sox. Uh, he struggled, but he's got a bright future. I mean, he hadn't pitched above uh, a ball before he went up to the White Sox for the Cubs just to see if he can maybe crack a postseason roster. I think it's good experience, good learning experience, but down the road, he's going to be a stud. But I'd like to see, I mean, quite frankly, it's probably going to be those four guys, Trevor Williams, Adbert Alzali, Shelby Miller, and Tyson Miller, probably competing it out 
four, two spots in the back end of this Cubs rotation. Trevor Williams getting the major league deal probably puts him in a spot to maybe be penciled in already. We'll see what David Ross does. The spring train's only a couple weeks away. Um, as it's snowing here today in Chicago again for like the third time in the last week and a half. And yesterday, the Cubs on Wednesday tweeted out that they are starting to drive stuff down to Arizona. So spring is around the corner. We just got to make it there. But down in spring training, I expect that at least for the fifth spot, it's probably going to be Alzali, uh, Shelby Miller, and Tyson Miller going out for it. But I think Corey Abbott's the guy to keep your eye on. And if not, he'll be in the high minor leagues, double A, triple A. He's been pretty solid for the Cubs there. And then the Cubs finally made a splash in the hitting department. There's been a lot of calling for breaking up the core and getting different guys in. Well, they got somebody else in. I mean, he still profiles as a power hitter, but they did sign Jock Peterson last Friday to a one-year $7 million deal, $3 million less than what Kyle Schwarber got from the Washington Nationals. He's probably going to slot in the left field on most days. I mean, Jock is a pure platoon guy with the Dodgers. I mean, he has some big-time moments in the playoffs. He has some big-time power. He's a all-star back in 2015. Um, I mean, he's just a guy that he's going he's gonna to hit some bombs, um, and especially in Wrigley with the wind blowing out. He's going to show off that power. I mean, he's he's a, not a high-average guy, too 248 and 249 and 2018 uh, and 19. He only hit 190 last year. I mean, him and Schwarber were both pretty bad last year. Peterson is an upgrade defensively over Schwarber, even though to Schwarber's credit, I feel like a lot of people weren't giving him his credit. He really worked on his defense and he was able to, I mean, he's at least average. He was throwing runners out and um, with that strong arm and left field, throwing him out, getting the extra base. I mean, you follow me on Twitter. I was always don't run on Schwarber because Schwarber was throwing people out. Um, but he's moving on to the Nationals. It's going to be weird to see him and Lester come back in those Nationals jerseys. Very, very weird. But Jack Peterson is joining the squad, and I like the sign-in. I think he brings – I mean, he fills that that spot in left field with a power bat. A um, little different um, than Schwarber because uh, Schwarber did face more lefties than Peterson has. He never really has gotten a chance to face lefties. So I would like to see the Cubs maybe give him a little bit more leash as to, I mean, we don't really know what the Cubs are looking at this season. Last Saturday, they say that they're opening the budget after they were keeping it pretty tight because uh, they viewed the division as winnable. And then, of course, the Cardinals make a trade for Nolan Arenado like four or five hours later. So that's just how it goes. So we'll we'll see if they can keep adding. But Jack Peterson... Really good bat, and I really think before this 2020 season, he was starting to trend into more of the player of who he is. In 2018, he hit 25 homers, 56 RBIs, a 248, 321, 522 slash line, batting average, on-base percentage, and then slugging percentage. I mean, it doesn't blow you out of the water, but he only had 56 RBIs because that's most of the time he leads off for the Dodgers, so those guys... Don't normally get a lot of chances to knock runs in. But in 2019, he hit 36 home runs, 74 RBIs, 249, 339 on base with a 538 slugging. So he knocked in more runs. He's probably moving around more in the lineup. And 36 homers, I mean, that's not a bad stash line. His his on base is 90 points higher than his batting average, 
which is always good. He takes his walks as a good eye at the plate. And I, I mean, I think he's a good guy that would fit into this locker room. I mean, he's not going to be a guy that's probably going to, he's not going to hit 270 or above. He's probably going to hover around that 240 mark, maybe 230. But if he's taking his walks and his bet and his on base percentage is up into that 340, 330 to 340 range, I mean, he's going to be a solid player. One year, 7 million. He's coming off a bad. Uh, 2020 season me personally I do not put that much stock either way for a player looking at the 2020 season I mean baseball we're used to the 162 game sample size and a 60 game season one bad week or one really good week can really fluctuate the numbers so I don't put it too much either way even if a player had a really a really really good season uh, I don't put too much into that unless they're like an established player like a Mookie Betts like Christian Yelich up in Milwaukee, he struggled. I still think he's one of the top 10 players in baseball, even though he had a really, really bad 2020 season. I just think he never really got it going. And I mean, he was really bad in spring training before the shutdown, and then he was never able to get it going. I, I mean, I expect him to bounce back. I'm not saying Jack Peterson's going to have a huge turnaround, but I think his numbers should return to more of what we've seen in the 2018-2019 season. And I'm very interested to see if David Ross gives him more leash, like I said, against left-handers. And if the Cubs can uh, do that and see how he does, and maybe it'll work out for him. I mean, Jack Peterson's entering a one-year deal. It's kind of a prove-it year. He gets to go to Wrigley, good hitter's ballpark, and now he's in Chicago, and we'll see what he can do, that one-year contract, and maybe he can turn it into something as he's nearing his thirty, his 30s. This is when he's trying to make that money, and now – uh, he's got a chance to do that with the Cubs and the Cubs. I mean, I think this is really like a low risk. Maybe it could be potentially high reward depending on how Jack performs, but I think it's a good sign. And he fits in with the team. He fills that position. He seems like a good guy uh, on Ian Half's podcast on the compound. He was talking about how he's admired his bat drops um, on homers. And he, I don't know. He seems like uh, the guy, it seemed like half was pretty happy to get him. And I mean, Ian Happ's really, becoming a big face with this Cubs team with what he's done off the field. So it'd be great if he can fit in there. But Roto Champ has the projected lineup with the Cubs as Hap, Rizzo, uh, Bryant, Contreras, Baez, Peterson, Horner, and Hayward. They're projecting Jack Peterson to get 403 at-bats, 27 homers, 60 RBI. So, and he'd hit 233. So that's right about where I would expect his numbers. And I mean, if he could do that, we'll see. This Cubs lineup is interesting when you look at it because their talks all about this blowing up and then they're trading you Darvish I mean their pitching staff looks very very different than it did the last couple of years but you look at this team and I mean it struggled the last couple of years but every time you look at it, it's like this is a team full of good hitters and now it's just can they all put it together because um, sometimes it looks like the parts are greater than the sum when you're looking at this team can they put it together that's really going to be the big risk but Trevor Williams probably slotting in that rotation It'll be interesting to see what he does there. A pretty cool tweet from his dad talking about how he was at er or at Wrigley for Ernie Banks' 500th homer. He's always loved the Cubs, and now he's coming in. And Trevor Williams is a big personality, too, on social media, on YouTube. Ian Happ also talked about that. He said that he might be a fun guy to get in the compound, so something to watch out there. And those guys are excited, so maybe, maybe he could do something. And he's coming to a place he really wants to go to, not a lot of money. Um... So we could see. I mean, these are guys with flippable contracts at the trade deadline. So if the Cubs are really 
not looking good in the division. And Trevor Williams is maybe pitching pretty decently. Maybe they could get him off for a couple of prospects. And then Jack Peterson, I mean, everybody's looking for a power hitter, especially in the playoffs and a left-handed bat. If he's doing well, maybe the Cubs could do something there. But that's just all speculation. One-year deals, that's what the Cubs did when they were bad in rebuilding. But when you look at across town, it is completely different expectations on the south side. I was excited for the 2020 season for the White Sox, and then COVID hit, and I was still excited to see what this team could do. But now those expectations are through the roof. I, th- I mean, it's World Series or bust. Tim Anderson's talked about it. I mean, this team's added so much. They've added Lance Lynn, and they've added Liam Hendricks a couple weeks ago, and they are able to add Adam Eaton. They've just been doing a bunch of stuff to add on to this young core with Jose Abreu, even though he's getting in his mid-30s, he's coming off an MVP season, and he's still not getting any respect. The, the MLB... Just a quick side note, the MLB rankings from MLB Network are just been triggering me this whole week. Just the way that they've been ranking these players, I, I think it's the computer systems. You need to use your eyeballs when you're watching these guys play because Jose Abreu, who's not the fourth best first baseman in Major League Baseball, they had Goldschmidt and Luke Voigt in front of them. And, of course, Freddie Freeman is the best first baseman in baseball. But Jose Abreu, since he's come to the league, has arguably been up in the top two. And he finally comes off an MVP season and he still can't get the love he deserves. And he's up at number four. I just think that's disrespectful. He's been so, so good, so, so consistent, especially on those bad White Sox teams. He was very, very good. But that's beside the point. And all the other rankings have been making me mad. But maybe that's for a separate podcast. I can go into my own rankings and talk about them and why I think those other ones are bad. But the Sox team is really been the only team going after it in my opinion in it, it, for a while is in the AL Central until the Twins started making some moves these past couple days um signing White Sox killer Nelson Cruz and then they got Alex Colome who was the White Sox closer the last two years on a one-year deal so it's a movement there in the Central and really those two teams I think have separated themselves since the Indians have traded to Francisco Lindor it's, I think it's really going to be a two-team race. I'm leaning towards the White Sox, but, I mean, now you're starting to think about these twins, and it's like, who's going to win that battle? And they're not going to have the expanded playoffs. So the loser of this division, the second-place finisher, might have to play in that one-game wild card, and that's just that's not a game you want to be in. And the Cubs know from experience they won it in 2015. It's an intense game, but then 2018, your offense fails you and you can't get in. You can't advance past on that first round, even though you had the second best record in the NL. That's just how it goes. So the White Sox are going to want to try to avoid that. And I think they've set themselves up very well. I mean, their top three is as good as anybody out there with Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, and Dallas Keuchel. And then they got some interesting options here with Dylan Steves. What are they going to do? With him in the offseason, their new pitching coach with Ethan Katz has been really good, highly regarded, worked with Giolito in high school. Now he's getting a chance to get into the major league level as a pitching coach. And the White Sox finally moving on from Don Cooper. I'm interested to see how Katz works with these pitchers. Giolito's had experience with them. Keiko's a veteran. Lynn's a veteran. How does he work with them? And especially with the young guys like Dylan Cease, I've been seeing stuff that Cease would just throw in the offseason. Now he's actually doing drills and do, using stuff to build his skill instead of just throwing. 
And that should scare people in the AL Central and the American League because this guy has elite stuff. Throws upper 90s, has a devastating breaking ball, and he can start honing in on those skills. When the Cubs traded him, I I knew he was a top prospect with the Cubs, but I was like, okay, you know, the Cubs never really pitched him that deep in the games in the minor leagues. I, I know I'm a nerd. I follow the minor leagues very closely. He only went two, three innings. I was like, this guy's going to be a reliever. The White Sox tinker with him a little bit. He starts pitching deeper in the games. He was a young guy when he was traded, but now he's a starter. And right now he's penciled in that four spot. And I'm excited to see what he can do in this upcoming season. CFCs, Michael Kopech opted out of last season, had some off the field stuff going on. And then he's decided to opt out with COVID and everything. He's coming back. How is Kat's going to deal with him? How Kopech, I mean, he's one of the big guys they got in that Chris Sale trade from Boston. I mean, Mokata was the big name, but Kopech's the guy that's coming in here is throwing 100, 101. How is he going to adjust after a year away from baseball? And how is he going to develop? Because he looked, he had electric stuff when he was up in 2019, but then he gets Tommy John. How does he bounce back from Tommy John? What are the White Sox going to do with him to start the season? Are they going to keep him back? Are they going to keep him on an innings limit? If they do that, are they going to keep him in the minors? Are they going to keep him extended spring training? These are all the questions we're going to start to wonder once we get down into spring training. And then the White Sox bring back their old friend, Carlos Rodon. So Carlos Rodon, high draft pick, high expectations, and really hasn't met them. He's had an ERA above four every year since 2016. So he'll probably be competing for that last rotation spot with Kopech. With, with Ronaldo Lopez. Um, and so those three will probably be competing for that last spot, even though on RotoChamp, they do not even have um, Ronaldo Lopez on there. But we'll see what happens. They have him in the reliever role, probably more like a long man. So we'll see. That's what they think out there at, at RotoChamp. But I can see those three competing for that last spot. And then you look at this lineup, man. This lineup is disgusting. You have Tim Anderson, Adam Eaton, Nick Madrigal, Yasmani Grandal, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, Johan Moncada, Luis Robert, and Leori Garcia. That is a scary, scary lineup if you have to face them. I mean, just looking at these projections, you have Tim Anderson hitting 22 home runs. You have Yasmani Grandal hitting 22, Abreu 35, Eloy 34, Moncada 21, and Robert 28, I mean, if they could they could do that, this is a team that's going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And last year, they had four straight homers against the Cardinals. They're just reaching their surface. Luis Robert started off so strong, and he kind of hit that rookie wall, and guys started to figure him out. I mean, you're only playing your division and the cross division and the interleague. So, I mean, he started to see people again, and they quickly caught on to him. And now it's really just how is he going to adjust to that? Um and how can you do that? I mean, this guy's a stud. He's already a fantastic fielder, and the bat is there, and the power is there. I mean, that home run he hit against the A's in that wild card round, man, it's hard. It's hard to hit a ball that far and that hard, and he he makes it look so easy. But this White Sox team's got a lot going for them, and actually, just in the last twenty minutes, they signed former Cub, former Brewer, former All Star. Jonathan Lucroy, catcher to a minor league deal per reports. A couple of reports out there. So a little bit of catching depth as they don't have James McCann now. Were they going to keep Zach Collins up with Yasmani Grandal? Maybe Lucroy can sneak his way on as that backup catcher. 
But that'll be another big thing. James McCann's going to the Mets on a four-year, $40 million deal. I don't think the White Sox should have spent that much money on a guy who's probably going to be their backup catcher. But he really rejuvenated his career with the White Sox, making the all-star team, becoming a very consistent hitter when he wasn't in Detroit. He's really known as a defensive guy. So that'll be a big question. And a big, bigger question is James McCann was Lucas Giolito's personal catcher. So we've seen that with John Lester, with David Ross, and, and Lester was able to make the change to Wilson Contreras. But pitchers are weird. I mean, last year they started Yasmani Grandal in that first game opening day, and Giolito gets lit up. But then they move back to McCann. He, his numbers go back down. He throws a no-hitter with James McCann. So I'm interested to see. They should get, right when they get into spring training, him and Grandal need to start working on that rapport and make sure that they're on the same page and they're ready to go. That's another big question. It's something Ethan Katz got to deal with. And it's just that comfortability with some pitchers. I mean, baseball players are, are superstitious. And that's just how it goes. But really like what I see from the White Sox on the south side. I mean, this is going to be a good team. And White Sox fans should be super excited. And hopefully we can start to get fans back in Chicago. Because I know people want to get back in the Wrigley. And I know White Sox fans. This is really the first time in 10-ish, 12-ish years that they've got a real shot at being one of the best teams in baseball. I mean, they're top five team in baseball, probably the second best, third best team in the American League. So they're going to want to get there and pack guaranteed rates. So hopefully we can go to some baseball games. I'm just excited baseball is coming back. But now jumping into these division rivals, I talked about them earlier. Nolan Arenado is going to the St. Louis Cardinals, and it was just highway robbery by the Cardinals. They're able to throw in a, a, a swingman, fifth, fourth starter, four prospects that they traded for Arenado. And I can't even talk because I just can't get how this trade went through. They only gave up their seventh best prospect. Other than that, it's just three other guys. And I just don't understand how they swung this. Like, I know the Rockies wanted to trade Arenado. I mean, they signed this guy to a monster extension and then a month later they're looking to trade him I just don't understand what they're doing in Colorado I feel bad for Rockies fans because this is this is a guy that's probably going to be an all-timer he's probably going to be a hall of famer he's one of the best third fielding third basements I've seen in my lifetime he's brought the bat along with him I'm excited to see how he can adjust from Coors to playing outside of Coors everyone talks about the Coors effect I want to see how much it affects him DJ LeMay has made it look nice but I mean he's playing in New York that's another hitter's ballpark but Arenado's still a stud. I mean, he's take times to adjust, as everybody does in a new setting. But they, the Cardinals have swung deals for Goldschmidt and Arenado, and they still have their big-time prospects like Nolan Gorman. Wait till he starts to come up, and you're going to see what he can do. I mean, they still got some studs down there in that minor leagues, and they are able to do that without giving up their future. And now you look at this, and it's like, I mentioned earlier the Cubs are like, all right, we Tom's Tom Rickett is like, all right, I think we can win this division. You, Jed, I'm opening it up to you. You can open up the budget a little bit. We can make some signings. They already got Jack Peterson. It's like, all right, let's get something going. Later that night, Arenado gets traded to the Cardinals. Now I think that vaults the Cardinals above the Cubs as favorites in the AL, in the NL Central. Nobody's trying to win in the NL Central until the Cardinals did that. I just don't understand what's going on, especially for the Pirates fans. I feel worse for them than Rockies fans. 
this team was going to be terrible anyways, and you traded your two best players, Jamison Tyone and Josh Bell. I don't even know who's going to be. <laughs> I could probably name you two guys on the Pirates, and I watch baseball all the time during the season, play fantasy and all that, keeper leagues. Two guys that come off my head are Key Brian Hayes, their top prospect, their catcher, Jacob Stallings. That's all I can think of right now. It's going to be tough there. And to think the Pirates had Garrett Cole and Tyler Glass now in that rotation and Jamison Tyone. That's a nasty three if they were going into a playoff series. And the only player to pitch in the playoffs out of those three in a Pirates uniform is Garrett Cole. And Garrett Cole's setting the record for a pitching uh, pitcher deal, contract deal with the Yankees. That's just tough. The Pirates, I found this stat crazy on Twitter. They have no guaranteed contracts on their books in like three years. The only thing they have is like a Gregory Polanco, who's an outfielder, option for that year. Like they got all these young guys that are going to have to go through arbitration they have nothing on their book in, books in three years. But that's beside the point. Sorry, I'm going to get on these tangents with baseball. But the Pirates are trying to win. Nobody was really trying to win for a couple weeks. But then the, the Reds signed Sean Doolittle. The Brewers signed Colton Wong to a two-year, $18 million deal with a third-year option. And then the Cubs signed Jack Peterson. The Cardinals trade for Aaron now. So all of a sudden, a, flip, a switch flipped. And now these teams are trying to do something. Still, I think this division is going to be brutal. I think the Cardinals have put themselves in the category to be the favorites in this division. I think the Cubs are second. Another thing I do not understand is why everybody in these projections or the computers, I do not know why people think the Milwaukee Brewers will win the division. I don't get it. I, I watch them. I mean, they play the Cubs all the time. They're right up north. I don't get it. I know they have Christian Yelts. I know they have Josh Hader. And I know that they uh, have Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, who had a quiet, quietly a very, very good year starting-wise. But after that, Josh Lind Lindblom, Adrian Hauser, and Eric Lauer? I don't think that's going to get the job done. How's, how are they going to manage the bullpen? Like That's been the big thing that they've done. I mean, Freddie Peralta throws hard, but I mean, he hasn't been able to put it together. Josh Hader is Josh Hader. Devin Williams won Rookie of the Year as a reliever, not even a closer. This guy was nasty. But after that, I think they take a step back. And you look up their lineup, I mean, they get Colton Wong, Lorenzo Kane will be back, Christian Yelich, and Keston Hira. But then, obviously, El Garcia, he's starting to get up there in age, but he's been a solid player. Orlando Arcia is terrible with the bat. Omar Narvaez is a decent hitting catcher. Luis Arias, who they got from the Padres, is an interesting young guy. But I'm just curious. Now, they signed Colton Wong. What are they doing to Keston here is one of the young prospects they have, one of their few good prospects. They're, they're, people are talking about how bad the Cubs farm system is. The Brewers is worse. It's way worse. And Keston here is like a, the crown jewel of their prospects. And now they're moving them from second, maybe to first. Ryan Braun hasn't signed anywhere, and he's... He's probably not coming back to Milwaukee. I don't, I just don't understand. I just, for me, their offense is decent, but I think their pitching takes a step back after their top two and the top two in the bullpen. But somehow, some way, these guys figure out a way to just linger around. 
but I still I still think the Cardinals and the Cubs are better. If the Reds don't, if the Reds stop trying to trade everybody, like they're trying to shop Suarez and Gray or Castillo, they've had conversations. I don't understand that. They have Mustakis. I think they can compete with the Brewers. I just don't know why people are like, oh, the Brewers are going to win the Central. It's just for me watching, I it, maybe I'm seeing something people aren't. I just don't see it. But Colton Wong was rumored to be maybe a Cubs target. He would have fit perfectly in that lineup. Great fielder at second. Baez and Wong up the middle. Are you kidding me? That's that's two gold glove gloves out there up the middle. High contact hitter. Got something the Cubs don't have. It'll allow Nico Horner maybe a year in AAA or coming up and down or maybe playing more in the outfield, a development year. But he's going to stay in the division. So he goes from the Cardinals to the Brewers. I still don't think that moves the needle for the Brewers, but that's a guy the Cubs miss out on. Now they might have to go. I don't know who they're going to go find. I mean, I feel like they need a contact hitter. Just got a lot of swing and miss in that lineup. Then Arenado obviously vaults the Cardinals, I think, to the favorites, but I mean, they still have questions in their pitching rotation. I mean, I have questions. Jack Flaherty was okay last year. Kim was in and out of the out of the rotation. Adam Rainwhite's old, but he's still going to shut down the Cubs the way that their lineup goes sometimes. Carlos Martinez, he going to stick in the rotation. Miles Michael is coming off an injury. He didn't even pitch last year. Like, I got questions there. Their bullpen's got some questions as well. I mean, their lineup's good. In the top five, I mean, they had another prospect. They didn't have to give up Dylan Carlson. I mean, Edmund DeYoung, Goldschmidt, and Arenado is pretty good top four. Pretty good top four. Dylan Carlson, high prospect at five. Dexter Fowler's been disappointing since he signed there. Yadier Merlina's getting up there if he decides to re-sign. Then Harrison Bader, I mean, he's a great defender, can't hit. I mean, they got question marks too. I mean, the thing is, all these teams are hard to project because they all got question marks. And these signings, I mean, it's interesting just to see how this it's going to go. I mean, Arenado's top 10 player in baseball, top 15, top third baseman. He's top third baseman, hands down, in my opinion. And the Cardinals get him. I think that bolts them to the favorites in the NL Central. Colton Wong, I think, is an interesting piece for the Brewers, but are they trying to compete? Are they trying to sell off? They're always bouncing back and forth. Really going to depend on how Yelich responds. But those, I mean, and then the Cubs are sitting there. They only got Jack Peterson that, and their pitching rotation is going to be a big question mark. So a lot of question marks in the NL Central. And you look at the AL Central, less question marks. I mean, there's clear-cut two teams, um, I believe, at the top. I mean, the Indians are taking a step back. The Tigers are the Tigers. The Royals are the Royals. The Royals might be the third-best team in that division. They've made some nice moves. Got some nice young pieces. They got a lot of pitching prospects. But... Like I said, the Twins signed Nelson Cruz to a one-year, $13 million deal, and that's got to not be make White Sox fans happy. This guy kills the White Sox since he signed with the Twins. 2019, 16 games, 8 homers, 24 RBIs, slash 433, 521, and 917. 2020, 10 games, 3 homers. I think they all came in the same game, or in two like the two first games of the season. 10 RBIs. 368, 442, 711. They they had to White Sox and Rick Hahn and Tony Larusa had to be praying that they brought the universal DH, which I think they should. That's that's a whole nother rant, but they don't have the universal DH. 
really limited his Nelson Cruz market, and that helps the Twins. They bring him back one year, thirteen million. This guy, I mean, he's getting up there in age, and he's still mashing, still mashing. That's the he kills the White Sox, and that's a big signing back for the Twins. That helps bolster their lineup. They also add Alex Colomay, deepens their bullpen as well. And I mean, I think it's a two-team race. I mean, those two are top teams in the in the AL. Now, will the Twins finally win a game in the playoffs is the question. They haven't done it. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it's been so long since they've won a playoff game. I mean, they have a great re- regular season this year. Bounce. Astros come up there, sweep them, get them out of there quick. Can they finally get over that mantra? I mean, they didn't do a lot, and then they just started making some some nice signings. They signed J.A. Happ, bolster the back of the rotation. Obviously, they get Nelson Cruz. They signed Alex Calme, who's underratedly been a really good uh, reliever, closer, especially with the White Sox. Last two years, 227 ERA, 42 saves, goes to the division rival. That's pretty good. They got a nice bullpen with Taylor Rogers out there, and they've also signed Hansel Robles, who's had closing experience with the Angels. I mean, they've done a nice job bolstering that rotation and pitching depth in the bullpen, and they signed Nelson Cruz. This is a lineup that hits a lot of homers um, up there in Minnesota. Jorge Blanco, according to Roto Champ, is going to come off the bench. It's the guy who started the All-Star game two years ago. Are you kidding me? He's projected to hit 280, 12 homers, 52 knocked in. They got some interesting guys in this lineup. I mean, Max Kepler is an underrated player. Donaldson's up there. People, I mean, he had a bad year this year, and Josh Donaldson's up there. Miguel Sano's going to hit a lot of homers. Alex Kirloff is a top prospect for them. They might get a lot of playing time. They signed Angelchen Simmons. They low-key made some nice moves to bolster this team, and now a division that looked like it was going to be the White Sox is now a little bit even now. The Twins have won it the last two years. I'm going to have to dig into this more before I think about it, but it's a two-team race. I like the White Sox, but the Twins are going to be right there too. That's going to be a fun race to watch. Just, I, you, I, if you can't tell, I'm excited for baseball season. I just went on a long, long tangent there. But good stuff here. We'll see. We'll keep, we'll keep tabs on what... The White Sox and the Cubs do. We're getting closer and closer to spring training. I'm excited. And we'll see. Baseball is right around the corner. A lot of optimism on the south side. We'll see what the north siders can do. They're in an interesting spot. Kind of a retool, rebuild maybe. But the White Sox, World Series or bus. But coming up next, you know what time it is. It is time for stock up and stock down. Let's get to it. Whose stock's rising? Whose stock is falling? From the last week in sports, it's time for Stock Up and Stock Down on Chi-Town Sports Wrap-Up. And it is that time of the week. It is time for Stock Up and Stock Down from the last week in sports. As always, I want to hear what you guys have for Stock Up and Stock Down. Uh, you could tweet me that at Jack Heinrich 22 or on other social media platforms at Jack Heinrich. I want to hear what you guys have to think. So to start stock up, I'm going to go with Bulls forward Thaddeus Youngs. The Bulls lost a tough one yesterday. Really not a great loss or yeah, not a great performance. Kind of got bullied around after a nice um, 
win against the Knicks, and the Knicks return the favor. But Thaddeus Young has been playing very well, stepping in for Wendell Carter Jr., playing in that forward spot. He's been flirting with triple doubles his last four games, 16 points, 9 assists, 9 rebounds, 8 points, 11 assists, 11 rebounds, 13 points, 8 assists, 8 rebounds. Last night, 19 points on, 11, on 9 of 11 shooting, 4 assists. Or four rebounds, two assists, five steals. Thaddeus Young has been playing some great basketball. It's interesting to see if he's going to stick around in this upcoming part of the season or will the Bulls flip him for something in the future? I think if the right deal's out there, you might have to flip him. But he's been playing some really, really good basketball. And it's it's refreshing to see a head coach actually notice something about his player and his skill set and let him do it. Isn't that crazy? Jim Boylan. But Thaddeus Young, stock up. Shout out to Thad. He's been hooping. My next stop up is Nolan Arenado, who had touched on in the last segment. He finally gets out of Colorado, finally gets to a place that is committed to winning. The Cardinals are always trying to win. They're always in contention. As annoying it may be for Cubs fans here in Chicago, they're always trying to win. And he's in a great spot now in St. Louis um, and a fan base that's really going to be there to support him and is really excited that they're there. So Arenado gets out of Colorado, so stock up for him. Next one, I'm going to hop into some hockey here. Kevin Lincoln in the goalie for the Blackhawks. Goalie is going to be the big question mark for the Hawks this season. They had Malcolm Subban, Colin Delia. Lincoln is taking a stranglehold over this job, and he's done a pretty good job. Seven games played this year. He's got a 3-1 with three overtime losses. He's kept the Hawks in him. Gideon points. He has a 93.5 save percentage. He's only allowing two goals a game. 25-year-old from Finland has really put a his stamp on this goalie position. It looks like he's going to be the guy and he's probably the best guy out of those three with the future, with a brighter future and more of a future with this Blackhawks team. So stock up to Kevin Lincoln and for his performance recently, the Hawks still trying to get in that win column. They're getting points. If I go into a bunch of overtime games, but got to get in that win column, get, get that double points. So my stock up for this week, Thad Young, Nolan Arenado, and Kevin Lincoln. Let me know what your stock up is for this past week. Now to jump into the stock downs, just talking about Nolan Arenado. I'm going with the Colorado Rockies. I don't know what these guys are doing out there in Colorado, but they just they had one of the best players in baseball on their team, and they traded him away for a bag of chips. That's what it seems like. They signed him to an extension. And then they're like, we're trying to trade him. He's unhappy, plays this 2020 season, and then they trade him. Not at his high value because he has an opt-out, even though he's most likely not going to do that. And then with the, the big contract, they pay $50 million to the Cardinals, and they don't even get that much back in return. Normally when you pay some of the contract, you get better return. It didn't happen. And then their GM and their higher-ups have the press conference, and it's just embarrassing, the quotes I saw. They said, we're not going into a rebuild. You just traded a top 15 player in baseball. The only other good player you have in that roster is Trevor Story, who's another top 20 player in baseball, and you couldn't figure it out. I wonder how long it is till Trevor Story starts to make some noise that he doesn't want to be here anymore. Colorado Rockies stock down. My next stock down, Jared Goff. Man, what a fall from grace. Number one pick. Questions about him in his first couple of years get Sean McVay to go to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago at this point, he's getting ready for a Super Bowl. Now he's heading to Detroit where they can't even make the playoffs. He gets traded for Matthew Stafford and some picks. And now he's probably going to start in Detroit and Detroit's bad, really bad. So he's out there in LA. 
leading them to the Super Bowl two year, two three years later. He's in Detroit, where they haven't been good in who knows how long. Wasting Calvin Johnson's career, wasting most of Matthew Stafford's career. Now Stafford gets to go to L.A. I'm interested to see how they do with that defense, some weapons they have on offense. But stock down for Jared Goff. My final stock down. There's announced today the NBA is playing in the All Star or is playing an All Star game this year in Atlanta. I I mean, if you, my personal opinion, I want to see an All Star game. And Zach Levine, I think, has a good chance to be in it, but. They've had a lot of COVID problems this season. And they just restricted the protocols. Why are we going to put together 20 to 30 guys? And then if you add, if they're doing the competitions, you add in 40, 40-ish players together from different teams when all this COVID problems are going on. Like Bradley Beal's the leading vote getter for guards in the East. His team's missed more games than anybody because of COVID. What if they start spreading it there? That's just going to dismantle the league. I think you can name all-stars. If this was in a bubble, I think it would be different. If they played the whole season in a bubble, I'd be like, oh, yeah, go ahead. They're all in a bubble. I mean, they should have got rid of COVID like they did in the summer bubble last year. But to bring everybody to Atlanta, I I just don't know about that one. And the NBA, like normally, like I, I love what the NBA does. They're normally pretty forward thinking with everything. I don't know about this one. Some of the players are voicing it too, so it might not go down well. But those are my stock downs. Let me know your stock downs. Colorado Rockies, Jared Goff, and the NBA playing the All-Star game. And a quick reminder, my stock ups were Thad Young, Nolan Arnall, Kevin Lankinen. So let me know your picks on Twitter at JackHeinrich22 or on other platforms at, or at Jack Heinrich. But to finish it off, of course, we got the big game this weekend, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 55 is coming this Sunday. Crazy that we finally were able to get to this point with all the summer. Just talking about is the NFL going to be able to play, seeing some other sports struggle, but we got here. And the Bucs are hosting the Super Bowl. First team to ever do that. Chiefs and Bucs. I mean, Mahomes versus Brady. Chiefs trying to repeat. Brady trying to get number seven. I mean, what else do you want in a game? This is going to be a fun game. I'm really looking forward to it. And I know a lot of people are. This should. I'm hoping this is a close, high-scoring game. I mean, you know those Chiefs in that offense. I mean, they can put up points in a hurry, even if they go down 24 to nothing, like they did to the Texans last year. Ripped off what, like 40 something unanswered. Like these guys are just Chico with Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and they have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Darrell Williams and Le'Veon Bell and. Patrick Mahomes, obviously, and then Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman. It's like they just got weapons on weapons on weapons. And then this Bucks defense has been pretty solid. I mean, they're a top-run defense in the NFL. That's why I think this is going to be a high-passing game, especially on the Kansas City side. I mean, they already like to throw it a lot, but Edwards Hilaire's been banged up. They've been using Williams more. Le'Veon Bell is just not the same Le'Veon Bell. I think it's funny Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown both were on the Steelers, and now they're playing each other in the Super Bowl. Somehow able to make it there. But I think, I mean, the, the Bucs might have to throw it a bunch too because of the if they get down or this game starts to get away from them, they might have to abandon the run game. But it's hard to count on Tom Brady. I mean, when this matchup first got um, official after the Chiefs beat the Bills, my gut is the Chiefs. I mean, I think the Chiefs are 
the best team in the NFL, hands down. They really only lost one game this year. They did lose to the Chargers last week of the season, but they benched all the, the main players. I mean, my gut was thinking Chiefs by double digits. Uh, I don't know if that's, that's bold or if that's bad, but that was my initial gut feeling. Now, I think it's going to be closer and thinking more and listening to more of what people have been saying. I mean, this this Bucks defense is a good defense, especially if they can get safeties Antoine Winfield Jr. and Jordan Whitehead back. Um, they both were not really playing in that uh, Green Bay game. Um, it looks like they're going to be good to go. Antonio Brown's going to be back. So they're getting back to full strength. Vita Veda was back last week, and he's a big clog up in the middle with that run-stopping defense for the Buccaneers. So I think it's going to be hard to run for the Chiefs, and it's really going to be how can they contain Patrick Mahomes because even when he gets pressure on him, he's just an escaper. I mean, this dude's going to be might be the best quarterback we've ever seen. It looks like it's the old goat versus the potential new goat, the guy gunning for him. I mean, Mahomes has only been to the FC Championship game every year. He's been a starter, and he's been to back-to-back Super Bowls. That's not bad for your first three, four years in the NFL. Three years as a starter? That's that's crazy. Never lost a game by more than double-digit points in the NFL. That's I mean, this guy's just insane. He's earned every bit of that big contract he's gotten, but... I think it's going to be a fun one. Like down in Tampa, they're going to have a decent amount of fans there, 22,000. I think it's cool they're giving 13,000 the first responders with everything they've been through this year. I think that's very, very cool. I'm just wondering how the Bucks. now it won't be sold out, but how the Bucks handle being at home and how much that affects the Chiefs. Because normally the Super Bowl week, they're, they would be here all week leading up to it down in Tampa, but they, they're not traveling until Saturday. Kind of like a normal game. So I'm wondering to see how the energy is coming out. I mean, obviously, it's a Super Bowl. It's probably going to feel a little different, but it's not going to be a sold-out stadium. So not going to have a bunch of people on the field or like all that pregame stuff. Probably it's probably going to be modified. So I'm interested to see how the game starts and probably once they get into the flow of the game a little bit, they'll be able to really get it going. But I, I, it's hard for me to go against Tom Brady. It's hard for me to go Patrick Mahomes. My gut is telling me the Chiefs. I mean, I'm I'm probably going to ride with the Chiefs. Um, I'm going to give my official prediction tomorrow, Friday, February 5th, on the Injured Reserve Show on SportstownChicago.com at 3 o'clock if you want to tune in there. But I'm probably riding. I'm going to ride with the Chiefs, I think. I think it's going to be a close game. They might cover the three that they're getting right now as the favorites. But I, I could see this being like a 37 to 30 game or 37 to 34, 33 to 30, like something like that. I think they're going to get into the 30s. They probably will go on the over as well. But it's just, I think it's going to be an offensive show. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey Hill, all the weapons he has. I mean, they, it's not like they don't have any weapons down in Tampa. I mean, Tom Brady's got a Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Braid, Scotty Miller. I mean, these guys are loaded on the offensive side of the ball, but I hate that I'm going with the Chiefs because I hate going against Tom Brady because he just seems like he always has got that that it factor to pull out a game. But it's really going to be how these quarterbacks are going to play. I mean, Brady hasn't played super great his last two games, especially throwing those three picks in the second half. The defense, the Bucks credit, was able to hold – the Packers, but I don't know, man. It's this is gonna be a good game, but I'm gonna ride with the Chiefs. Uh 
in this one, I want to hear what you guys have to think. So tweet me at Jack Hunter 22, what your predictions are. What are you looking forward to most about the Super Bowl? But it's going to be a fun one, a fun one uh, indeed. Hopefully we get an all-time classic between these two quarterbacks and maybe we'll come down to who has it last. That would be something crazy. But that's all I got for you guys. I appreciate you guys listening. I'm going to try to be more frequent on these episodes. But as always, follow me on Twitter at Jack Heinrich 22 Jack Heinrich on other social media platforms. And, I, of course, I appreciate you guys listening. I'll catch you guys in the next one. See you later. Fade to black moment. Enough already. It's over. Drive home safely. BBK.